0: Good morning. Good to see everyone here this morning. Uh, Before we open up God's word, uh, I do have two things that I want to communicate to you guys. Toward the end of April, I will be 70 years old. And and as such, this past week, I've informed the Leadership Council and the staff that at the end of April, I will be resigning as the lead pastor of Belmont Assembly, uh, retiring. I think my time has come to a close. uh, And I'm so, so grateful for everything that God has done in my life. And I wanted to inform you because I think it's so, I wanna use the word careful, I, I, I think it's so providential that I'm making the announcement this morning because we're starting the 21 days of fasting tomorrow. And I think at the top of the list that I would encourage all of us to pray for is for the God to give wisdom and guidance to the leadership council because now they have the task of determining who should be the one to follow me in the pulpit as the lead pastor of Belmont. And uh, hopefully that will happen, Uh, they'll let you know and hopefully in our March business meeting, we can have that election for that new pastor. So I really wanna encourage you, please, Pray for them. In fact, I want to pray now. Would you agree with me as I pray now? Father, I want to begin first of all with Thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. You truly have blessed my life and Yvonne's life the day that you directed us to come to this precious assembly, Lord. It's been over 18 years, and you have been so faithful to help us over and over and over again, Lord. And so we we thank you for the time that we've had here. And and though it's coming to a close, God, we know that you have prepared nothing but great things for this church going forward, Lord. And so with that in mind, uh, we just lift up our hearts right now, God, asking for you to continue to bless our leadership council. I thank you for every elder, every deacon. I thank you for their service to this body, God. I now pray, Father, that you would give them the wisdom that they need, the, the, the discernment that they need. Oh, God, as they uh, prepare that selection process and go through that, uh, that, that routine, God, uh, of interviewing and thinking and praying. God, we know that you have already picked out the person that's going to succeed me. We know that, God. And we know it's going to be great for the church, Lord, to bring them to the place that you desire to bring them, Lord. And so we thank you for it all, even now. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, "Amen, amen, and amen." One more announcement before we get into God's word. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, they. <laughs> okay, is that better, Kirby? Yeah, I think I lost the uh, the windscreen. So, okay, I have one more very important announcement. Pastor Joey mentioned earlier about what the youth department has done in collection of missions. If you remember, uh, uh, last month, uh, the children's ministry had a target goal of raising $10,000 for mission. And I said right from this platform, if they achieved their goal, that I would sacrifice this pizza palette that I have and I would succumb gladly and eat Caesar's pizza. The time has come for me to deliver on that promise. For our children raised $10,000 for missions. Come on, put your hands together and bless the Lord. So, at the end of this meeting, they're going to bring out the pizza. But I felt so great about doing this and sacrificing this way that I have invited all the pastors to have pizza with me. Now, you have to pray for Pastor Tom because he gave me some excuse of why he couldn't be here this morning. I think he didn't want Caesar's pizza, that personally. But anyway, uh, I gladly am going to do that. I've wondered whether I should close out the cameras so that only those present would see me eat Caesar's pizza, you know, to protect my New York family from seeing me (laughs) succumb. What do you think? Should we close out the camera? You want them all to see it. You want the world to see this, don't you? All right, then we'll leave them open. Last week, let's get into the word of the Lord for today. Last week, we began a review of our core values. And I mentioned last week that a core value is a guiding principle that forms the the foundation upon which you and I work or conduct our lives. Uh, if If I could simplify that big statement, core values really define how we live. And at Belmont, we have three core values. We talked about them. It's the cultivation of God's glory, the cultivation of maturity, and the cultivation of love. And last week, again, I I talked about the fact that the word cultivate means to promote the development or the growth of something. And so at Belmont, everything we do is to try to promote the development of these core values. Before we engage in anything, I I ask myself, is this going to bring glory to God? Is this going to be something that's going to promote growth in people, spiritual maturity? Is this something that, that is going to bring love in the atmosphere? And so, uh, what we do at Belmont, as we looked at last week, we talked about the glorification of God, bringing glory to God's name. Because the word gl- glory means to honor and give high praise. And so we realize we just don't want to praise God. We want to bring high praise to God. We want God to be honored in everything we do. So we don't elevate the name of a man. We don't elevate the name of a church or an organization. We elevate the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ alone is worthy of the highest praise. Would you say amen to that? And and so we, we saw that not only do we do that here in the church, but we saw how important it is for us uh, to, do the, uh, to live our life that way, that we should live in such a way that the name of Jesus Christ is honored, is glorified, receives high praise. And so today, I need to talk to you about the cultivation of maturity, now, by maturity, it just simply means something that's fully developed. Being fully developed. And that's going to be the, the, the theme. In fact, that's the title of this message, being fully developed. Come on, would you say that with me? Being fully developed. You see, at Belmont, we try to create this environment uh, that stimulates towards spiritual maturity, uh, being fully developed, in other words. We want our character to become more like Jesus Christ. That is the process of being fully developed. And so it's important that you realize our mission here is not to make people feel good. We don't pick songs and do worship to make you feel good. We want to establish and pick songs that will promote the glorification of God's name. And, and that, will, that means it will engage you and cause you to engage in worship. When we look at uh, what we're doing here, we want to create a culture uh, through relevant messages and, and, and events that we purposely select. We want it to result and stimulate all of us to grow spiritually spiritually. In other words, I'm not interested in preaching a fluffy message. I'm, I'm not interested in preaching a message that will make you feel good. Now, there are times where God gives us a word that does encourage us and does bring us joy, and I get that, but I want you to recognize that our goal is not. Making everybody feel good. Our goal is what does God want to say to us that will cause us to want to grow spiritually? To want to mature, in other words. And so this being fully developed, I want to lay it out for us to this morning about its importance and some of the a few of the processes that God uses to help you and I fully develop to grow spiritually. Let's begin in the book of Hebrews in chapter five. I'm gonna begin in verse 11. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the what? The mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Now chapter 6, the first three verses. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment and God permitting, we will do so. So now, as we've just read, The writer, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is writing to the Hebrew Christians and he is addressing them and calling them basically immature Christians. Christians who... Their spiritual growth has been stunted. They they haven't made the progress that they should have made. And notice he said, by now, you should be teaching the Bible, but somebody needs to teach you. You're not at that place where you can take solid food spiritually. You're still on milk. And he's using the illustration or the analogy of a child who hasn't grown up to the measure that it can have solid food. It might be there uh, by by physical age, but it's still not there in, in its daily appetite. It's still existing on milk. And the reason for that is that they were dealing with dullness in their life. There was a spiritual dullness in their life. And the word dull there in the Greek means to be lazy, to lack interest. So, what is that teaching us? It's teaching us this. That immature Christians can be identified as those who are not being fully developed, they're not growing, they're not maturing, but what's happening is they're existing solely on the milk. Of God's word. In other words, they are satisfied with the elementary teachings. Now, what are the elementary teachings? Well, the elementary teachings of God's word is is this: that Jesus Christ came to this earth in the form of a man, right? God in the form of a man to sacrifice His life on the cross for all of our sins. That if we believe and embrace Him, we shall be saved. Our sins shall be forgiven. Our name will be. Be written in the book of life the gospel message are you with me so far okay so that's the gospel message that's the that's the simplicity the milk of god's word that god loves you and that and that this uh, love uh, moved him to sacrifice his son on the cross of calvary immature christians are satisfied just with that message they don't want anything other than that message they're dull in that they have no interest in being fully developed. They have no interest in spiritual maturity. They're not interested in developing their character to be more like Christ. They're side of side with where they're at in their spiritual journey. They're not interested in the time of prayer and fasting. They're like, hey, that's for somebody else. I don't need that. I don't require that. I'm good where I'm at. They're lazy when it comes to serving. I knew it would get quiet in here this morning because this is the message that God has given us that hopefully will stimulate you and I. Because remember, we live, we exist to bring glory to God. And it does not bring glory to God if you and I remain spiritual babies. Remember the analogy, right? How many of you have ever experienced seeing a grown man who's still immature? Let me see your hand, have you seen that? Most of us. We know somebody or have seen somebody that is spiritually, not spiritually, just in life, immature. Never grew up. Isn't that something that you feel sorry for those parents? Where you're like, wow, man, I feel sorry for their parents. and At the same time, you want to beat that guy up. Say, come on, dude, when are you going to grow up? When are you going to become a man? When are you going to act your age? Yes. Well, spiritually, it's no different. If we are not acting our age spiritually, we're not growing, then we bring shame to the name of Christ and not glory. You see? You see, people who are not being developed, who are not growing, they have no interest in serving. They're fine coming to church and just sitting and enjoying. They have no interest in giving towards mission. Probably don't even have any interest in honoring God with with their tithes, which is 10% of their income as the Bible directs us to do. Now, it's important that I remind all of us we all enter the kingdom of God as babies, yes. right? None of us gets saved and then becomes a, a spiritually mature person overnight. It is a process of growth, a journey that we are all on. But staying a spiritual baby does not bring glory to God. We are all called, we're all exhorted in the Bible to move. Towards maturity, to move towards being fully developed. Are you with me so far this morning? Yes. Okay. So now, having laid that foundation on why that's important, let me just talk for a few moments about the process. This is a, not an all-inclusive process this morning. We don't have time for that, but I thought of a few that came to my heart that I wanted to share with us. The first one comes from the book of Ephesians in chapter four. Listen to verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of God and become what mature Mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of God. Then everybody say then. In other words, you got to be mature for then this part to kick in. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow, everybody say grow, we will grow to become in every respect the Mature, come on, say mature, mature body of Him who is the head, that is Christ. From Him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows, builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Okay, so now, here the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus is saying, I want you to know why God has given apostles, pastors, teachers, leadership to the church. The purpose for leadership is not to do the work, but to equip the people for the work. Are you with me so far? See, sometimes churches have it backwards. They think that their pastors and their teachers are supposed to do all the work. But the Bible makes it clear that our roles as leaders in the church is to prepare the people of God for the work that God's called them to do. Moreover, leadership plays a key role in our spiritual maturity. It plays a key role in being fully developed. Notice the Bible says when leadership is functioning correctly and we begin to do the work that God's calling us to do, one of the things that kicks into place is that leadership helps us avoid falling prey to ungodly schemes. Let me give you a, a great example of that. A while back, I had a call from someone in the church, really confused. Other believers had told her that she should not get the vaccine because the vaccine contained the juice of the Antichrist in it. Now, we laugh, but there is teaching out there for that. You see, the one thing we need to recognize and never forget the world is full of teachings that are unbiblical. Yeah. There's teaching all over the internet, on YouTube, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and all social medias where it's spewing out all kinds, well, of, oh, God told me this and God told me that, and this is what God showed me. And many of much of it is unbiblical. And many times, God's people get sucked into these schemes because they don't check with leadership. In other words, I thank God she called me and said, and and here's her word You're my pastor. What do you say? And it it blessed my heart to hear that because I told her, Sister, you look, whether you get the vaccine or not, That's a decision you have to make. But, as your pastor, I can tell you, there's no juice of the antichrist in the vaccine. Don't believe that. Don't fall, prey for that. Brothers and sisters, I can't tell you how many times in my time as a pastor for over 30 years, I have seen Christians that have gotten caught up in the latest thing that's out there in the name of Christianity. And the Bible makes it clear, God has given leadership for that purpose to make sure that we don't succumb to that. And so I would encourage you, listen, again, there's some great stuff out there on YouTube. There are great podcasts. I, I get that. And you can enjoy those things. But if something comes up that is not taught from the platform of this church, you need to check with your pastors you need to check with your leadership if you call belmont your church home then you should align yourself with what the teachings of this church are and anything outside that is contrary or questionable to that give us a call and if it's god we'll affirm it and if it's not you will have avoided falling scheme or pray to something are you following where i'm going with this Okay, and that, here's the thought. Those that are being fully developed acknowledge and embrace church leadership. Now, here's the other part to that. I've discovered, again, both before I was a pastor and since I've become a pastor, the key that keeps people from growing spiritually is their refusal to embrace church leadership in their life. Now, here's what I mean by that. When I interview somebody who wants to become a member, I read to them Hebrews 13, 17, where the Bible says there, obey your leaders and submit to their authority, for they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy and not a burden. I had somebody once tell me the reason why they didn't want to become a member is because they didn't want anybody telling them what to do. And I said, it's a good thing you don't want to become a member then. But see, you don't understand that when you become a, membership, a member, you are falling and embracing the leadership that God has placed over your life. We're not here because we just have nothing else to do. God brought us here. And God has given us that. that, Remember, the Bible said it's God that gives to the church the apostles, the pastors, the teachers. So we're sent here by God to watch over the flock. And once we accept this position, we now become accountable to God for how we do that. And that doesn't mean we're looking to control people's lives, but does mean that we have a responsibility to carry out. For instance, if you want to call me pastor, then you're saying you have the right to pastor me, to shepherd me. So that if you are single and you are seeing someone and you bring somebody to the church, what do you think one of the first questions this pastor is going to find out? Is that person a Christian? because the Bible makes it clear that as Christians, we shouldn't be dating non-Christians. Well, Pastor, but he doesn't believe like I believe. Oh, I've known people that left church because they didn't like to hear what I told them. And that's fine. This is a free country. You can go from church to church. But you see, you miss out on the fact that we are here to help you. Leadership is in place to help you navigate, and we all need that. We all need somebody over our lives to to keep us in check, to help us make sure that we don't go off the rails, which we all have a tendency to do. And and I've discovered that people who are are not growing, who stay immature are there because they want to keep leadership at a distance. I don't want anybody in my life. I don't want anybody in my business. I don't, I, that's it. I want to come to church. I want to sit. I want to enjoy. But then that's it. Don't get me involved. Don't get anybody involved with my, my life. I want to live my life the way I want to live my life. And once again, you can do that, but you will be forfeiting what God has given you, the gift God has given you to help you mature. I thank God for the leadership I've had in my life. They've not always said everything that I wanted to hear. I've not always been happy with their counsel, but their counsel has always been for my good. And whether I liked it or not, by the grace of God, I embraced it. And God has blessed me because of that. I've grown spiritually because of that. Secondly, in Philippians, let me turn there uh, to Philippians in chapter 3. Listen to what the word of God teaches us there if I get there in a second here. Uh, chapter 3, verse 10, beginning in verse 10. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Verse 15, listen. All of us then who are what? Mature should take such a view of things. And if at some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Paul said, there's a reason why God got a hold of my life. And that reason is so that I might know Jesus Christ. And I want you to know I haven't fully grasped everything that God has for me. In other words, I haven't fully grasped all that there is to know about Christ. But here's what I want you to know. I forget my past. I forget the times that I didn't do the things that I ought to do. I forget the things that I did that dishonored God. I forget all my failures. And I keep pressing forward that I might know Christ. Listen. Those who are being fully developed have this insatiable appetite to know Christ. In other words, they recognize, I'm a Christian. What does that mean, being a Christian? Well, it, doesn't, it means so much more than the fact that Jesus Christ loved me, died for me, shed his blood so that I can be, have forgiveness of sin. It means so much more than that. He died for me so that I can have this relationship with him. So that I can enter into this uh, relationship and get to know this God who loved me and died for me. And I don't want to know about Jesus. I want to know Jesus. There's a big difference in the two. Yes. We can accumulate a lot of Bible knowledge and know about God, but never know God. Yes. You see? Never satisfy. Recognizing i got to press forward. I've not arrived I've no, uh, in, in, in knowing everything there is to know about the Lord. So i got to press forward. i got to press forward in prayer, both by myself and corporately. I want to get together. Why? Because there's an incredible blessing that God pours out when God's people gather together to cry out to him and pray. I want to be in Bible studies. I want to make sure I'm reading my Bible every day. Oh, but I read it all the way through once. And? Does that mean you know everything there is to know about the Bible? I think not. We can never exhaust knowing God through his word. I mentioned podcasts. Yeah, that's good. Get into podcasts. Get fellowships. In other words, I'm going to do whatever I need to do To help me to get to know Jesus Christ more. That's my goal. We stop growing the minute we become satisfied with what we know about Jesus. When we think we've arrived, we stop growing. Our spiritual growth is now stunted. Doesn't mean we don't love God. It's a classic mistake that a lot of husbands make. Husbands, let me talk to you for a moment and digress here. You had an incredible rap that you threw at your woman and you won her heart. And you put a ring on her finger. But the problem with most men is they think that once they marry that they don't have to romance their woman anymore. Why do I got to do all that? We're married now. And all of a sudden, problems begin to hum in a marriage. You know why? Because your wife needs to know every day that you get breath that you love her with an everlasting love. And she needs you to not just say it, but to show it. And so, husbands fall into trouble when they just stop thinking, all is well, because I married her. That should be enough. No, we need to continue to press in to get to know her, to get to express our love, and it's no different in our relationship with Christ. Pressing in, getting to know him. Never satisfy with what we do know. Lastly, uh, well, I got two more, and then we're going to close. In Romans chapter five, Listen to uh, verses one through four, Romans chapter five, verses one through four. Therefore, since we have justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. The Apostle Paul lays out here a process. And he said, so God uses sufferings he uses difficulties to produce something in us. It requires perseverance, which perseverance, by the way, just simply to, to, be, to stay the course in spite of difficulty or opposition. That's perseverance. I'm, I'm not giving up. I'm going to continue to go in the direction I'm going even though it's not easy. That's perseverance. And difficult times reveal what we truly believe and who we truly are. You see? And those that are being fully developed, those who are spiritually maturing allow difficulties to develop their character, not destroy it. Notice Paul said that perseverance produces character. You will find out who you really are when you're facing difficulties in life. And the mature, don't blame God. Don't get angry at God. Don't get angry at the world. Don't get angry at their pastor. Please don't get angry at me. They realize God is the one that has ordained this difficulty in my life. Therefore, I'm going to give work through it. I'm not giving up on God. I'm not giving up on my Christianity. I, I'm going to stay the course because I know that through this, God is going to show me something about myself, and God is going to help me to develop my character. And when my character becomes more like Christ, I am now growing spiritually. Are you following so far? Okay. Last thought, Pastor Jason, if you would come back up, please. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 1, there is a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens. This verse reminds us all that nothing in this life is eternal. Everything has a beginning and everything has an end. There are seasons where things are going one way and then there's a change. It goes in a different direction. What I'm getting at is this. In this life, Change is very much a part of maturing how you and I handle change will determine whether we will grow because those who are being fully developed accept and embrace change because they recognize it's the way it is let's talk about church for a moment There's always going to be changes in church. There's a season for things in church. There are ministries that come, and then there are ministries that go. Things that we would do for a season. I think right now about a ministry we had at one point called Seeds of Compassion, where they would go out to feed the homeless, and then they would also provide food for those who are families that are needed to come in. And it was going well for a season, but now that season has come to a close. Change. I remember there was a time where we were doing a specific ministry. And the time came for that ministry to come to a a close. And one of the brothers in that ministry became very angry and ultimately left the church because he refused to accept that the time for that to close had come. Seasons come and season goes. There's a time for everything under the sun. Styles how we do ministry changes. Hey, when I came to Belmont 18 years ago, I came from a church where, where everybody was suited up on Sunday, suit and tie. And I came to Belmont suit and tie, even during the midweek service suit and tie. And I began to be concerned and wonder if I was still doing the right thing. And, uh, I would check other churches and they had gone to a more casual attire and I was still suit and tie. That was the ministry that I knew. I thought pastors are supposed to be suit and tie. And so one day I decided after praying, God, I'm going to change. And I did that because I did a funeral and I was the only one in a suit and tie. Even the family members were there. Everybody was in jeans and, and sneakers. You know, New Yorkers, sneakers is the correct term. If you're using gym shoes, let me educate you this morning. But everybody in the family was in jeans and sneakers and T-shirts. And i like, things have changed. And so I made the decision one day, I'm going to go in just casual attire. And at that first service, I told the church why I was doing that. And at the end of the service, I'll never forget, there was a young man sitting in that back. Well, he was probably in his mid-30s or something like that. And he came up to me, and he had on jeans and a T-shirt. And he said, you know, I got invited by someone to come to the church, but I didn't have any proper clothing. I didn't have a suit. And so I didn't want to come, but he kept pressing me. He said, no, you can come as you are. And he said, when I heard you say what you said and I saw how you would dress, I became comfortable. So I just wanted you to know that, Pastor. That the decision you made was good for me. And from that moment on, I've been casual. Change. Every pastor has to even accept change. One of the changes I had to learn early on as a pastor is people come. And people go. Every pastor will tell you the truth that in their heart, no pastor wants anybody to leave. I want everybody to stay with me. But I've learned over the seasons, people come and then people go. And for the church, pastors come and pastors go. How we handle that change will determine whether we grow spiritually. Nobody likes change just to change, but when it God ordained and we embrace it, we are all the better for it. Are you feeling walk on with that? The willingness to acknowledge and embrace change is what enables you and I to mature, to grow spiritually. Conversely, when we fight change or we refuse to accept that, that's when our spiritual growth is stunted. Stand with me.